Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Thanks for the Knowledge. It's Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy dandy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I'm here to wrap up your week or start it, whichever way you look at it. With the week's news and games, entertainment, all the headlines, we're going to dive into it. We will also have an excellent conversation with our very own Kenneth Shepard to talk about the Overwatch 2 beta and what the bizarre rollout of this game means for fans of the shooter series. But first, I, of course, have to dig into the top stories of the week. You know, if it's a day that ends in Y, it's a day that we probably ought to talk about the ongoing Activision Blizzard saga. I'm so sorry. It's just that there's something new every single week. And this week, we kind of got a double dip. Uh, shareholders at Activision Blizzard this week uh, voted a very, 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 very excitedly in favor of the sale of the company to Microsoft. Uh, it is the $69 billion sale. Nice to Microsoft. Uh, and the deal also gives a big old golden parachute to executives at the company. There were two votes, in fact, uh, with the shareholders themselves. One is basically just the agreement of the plan uh, to, to have those mergers happen between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. Uh, an overwhelming majority is for the merger uh, to the tune of roughly 540 million shares represented in the vote uh, were for it against about 8.8 .8 million uh, against and then only about 786,000 shares uh, abstain from the vote as opposed to the, uh, the, basically the, uh, the, the parachutes made payable to executive officers in the company in connection with the merger. That was a closer vote. It was still, it still passed basically two to one, uh, with the four votes getting uh, 357 million versus 189 million against. So both, uh, proposals passed, but it is interesting to see that so many more uh, shareholders do not seem to be in favor of giving a golden parachute to the executives. But I'm sure in the interest of greasing the wheels to get this deal to go through, those golden parachutes will probably go a long way in making that a smooth process. Um, 
but it's interesting, right? It definitely shows that every shareholder, essentially every shareholder, I mean, it's almost 100% from a statistical perspective, um, really, really thinks that Activision Blizzard is going to do better in the hands of Microsoft. They like the price point. They like all of that stuff. Makes sense that they would be excited about that. And it makes sense based on the past few years or so that they would be a little bit less excited about giving a lot of money to the executive team. But still... That's happening. Uh, it's going to be a big thing. Uh, Bobby Kotick alone will be receiving roughly $22 million in bonus as a result of the acquisition. Oh, boy. And of course, as of Friday afternoon this past week, we have even more breaking news for the Activision Blizzard saga. Uh, the Communication Workers of America filed an unfair labor union charge against the company uh, from the National Labor Relations Board about working conditions, say, citing that Activision Blizzard has put pressure on existing employees uh, to not discuss working conditions or the sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuits it is facing right now. Uh, Jessica Gonzalez, who is course is the former uh, Blizzard senior test analyst uh, that works there and also is very busy on Twitter talking about the labor issues going on with the company uh, as was quoted in the press release uh, saying that quote uh, they have a excuse me that Activision Blizzard quote has a pattern of retaliation against workers who speak out in quote so this is just an another Another in a long line of suits and labor complaints against the company. The last one from the CWA uh, was back in September of 2021, uh, and it said that they had engaged in union busting. Yikes. Uh, Activision Blizzard has not spoken to The Verge, who originally reported this, or any other outlet that we could find as of Friday afternoon about these new uh, charges. <laughs> hey, uh, had you heard of Tadum? The, uh, you know, the, the cool newsy blog that covered all of Netflix's uh, properties in an interesting way. You wouldn't be alone if you'd never heard of Tadum. It started in December and now a lot of its staff has been laid off by Netflix. Uh, we got the news this week that it uh, laid off a number of journalists that worked for Tadum. Um, it, it just is another in uh, a long list of things that Netflix has done over the past few weeks. Of course, they posted that really, really bad uh, Q1 report that said they had lost 200,000 subscribers for the first time in a quarter in about 11 years. Uh, and they said they would be tightening the belt. Now, this is a company that's also spending $30 million an episode for the new season of Stranger Things, but they cannot even let a small media group operate from December until the end of April. They let people go. The, they have no uh, intentions to close the site, however, so there are some folks that still work there. But it is really, really preposterous <laughs> as someone that runs a media division of a medium-sized company. It's preposterous to let a media group only go for five months. I know CNN Plus, that was a bad idea from the jump. They had some consultants that said that was going to be an incredible success and they couldn't have been more wrong. That was just a total fleece job. But this, to dumb, 
they didn't market this. They didn't. They didn't share this online a ton of places. This was not a a a place that was well known to a lot of people in the general media. And certainly, like you know, even folks that are plugged into this stuff, like didn't really have a ton of awareness of to dumb. That's just kind of an anecdotal thing. But this is a website that is very cool. I went there for the first time this past week. And I really enjoyed what I read because it had some really smart journalists working for it, some of which had left really, really major positions, moved to L.A. to become part of this company, and only five months later have been laid off. So it is a very, very sad story. If you know folks uh, that work at Tadum or have been laid off from Tadum and uh, you have some openings in your uh, freelance budget or uh, your website or whatever, um, you, you should reach out to them. You should uh, post stuff on Twitter about your open positions because there are some really talented folks there. If we could hire some right now, we would. But we cannot. Uh, we are closed for that business right now. Uh, but yeah, it's a really sad time and really frustrating to watch Netflix close this stuff like the animation department and to dumb and still spend insane amounts of money on some of the other stuff that they're doing. Bell and Wonder World was one of the strangest games to come out in quite some time. Square Enix released the Yuji Naka game to... Uh, whatever the opposite of critical acclaim is critical disgust critical confusion maybe not disgust it's a bad game but it's also just kind of confounding about what it is yuji naka has made some pretty good games in his time he's worked on sonic the hedgehog nights into dreams he's got a cool reputation he's also made some real stinkers like balan wonderworld but he took to Twitter this past week to talk about how Balan Wonderworld may not have really been his fault. It might have been Square Enix releasing a game that was not ready. He took to Twitter, and this is all kind of rough translation with some machine translation, but it seems to check out that uh, basically what he's saying is the Balan Wonderworld team uh, was uh, really shaken up about six months before the game shipped. Uh, he was being uh, he was removed from the team at that six month mark. Uh, he was often pointing out problems with the way that the game was being made. Square Enix held really firm to this release date, and instead of adjusting the release date or adjusting the team in any meaningful way. They just removed Yuji Naka from the team. Uh, he was fired after a joint decision from the producer, the head of marketing, the head of sound, the managing director, and human resources, according to a court document uh, from a lawsuit that he filed against Square Enix. Naka also apologized for how bad Balan Wonder World is and said he wish he could have he could, it could have been different. Um, and that's, you know, that that story kind of checks out, but that's really just his side of the story. Um, as Imran Khan speculates in his piece up on fanbyte.com right now, um, Naka's got a little bit of a reputation of being difficult to work with. Peter Moore once told him to fuck off, um, which is pretty funny. Um, and also like a lot of the team apparently agreed to kick him out. It wasn't just some head of marketing or suit at Square Enix. It was also people fundamental to the production of the game itself. So it's tough. I mean, Yuji Naka, that Battle and Wonder World seems to have been in a, a big, big, big problem that Square Enix could not figure out how to solve, but I'm not sure if Yuji Naka uh, also had the wherewithal to figure that thing out. Just a kind of a weird curse project. I really can't wait to find out 
just everything about this. I think it would be uh, it would be really really nice to uh, to find out the entire story. Might have to might have to really investigate that someday. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, I've got one more thing for you this week, uh, and it's about Reggie fils The former president of Nintendo of America has been making the rounds all over the press because he's got a new book out, and he's doing a ton of press interviews. He went and hung out with G4. He's going to conferences. He's talking to a lot of folks on a big, important podcast. Reggie, come on a podcast. Um, but you know what? At, uh, uh, at different pressers this week and over the past few months, he's been pretty bullish on things like NFTs, on cryptocurrency, and really pay to own, pay to win, pay to play. Uh, he talked specifically about how folks will, might play 100 hours, 200 hours, 300 hours of a video game, and when they're done with it, they, you know, they wish they could just cash out, find some way to make money off of the, all of this time that they've spent cultivating an island in Animal Crossing or uh, navigating different lands, accruing an inventory in a video game. That first example about Animal Crossing, he said he would love to sell his Animal Crossing island to someone. And with blockchain technology, that would be possible. Now, if that's really bad news uh, to your ears, you're not alone. It's kind of a bummer, right? Uh, that he wants to just monetize these things as a video game. Not super surprising. He's a business guy. He's a marketing guy. He's shaken up almost every company he's been to. He was very beloved at, being, at, at Nintendo for being a pretty affable guy that seemed to genuinely love the products that were coming out of Nintendo. He's just a really, really, really good face of a company. And there's absolutely no denying that. Except his views on this stuff is all, all pretty bad, turns out. Not super surprising. <laughs> hey, I know you're probably uh, tired of hearing about Activision Blizzard, but there is an Overwatch 2 beta going on right now, and I wanted to talk to Ken Shepard about it. He's a fan of Overwatch. I would say the closest thing to our staff as a super uh, on our staff as a super fan. And instead of asking questions about if it's a cursed project, I did want to get the straight up skinny on if the the actual Overwatch 2 PVP stuff is any good. So let's go to that conversation right now. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined this week by someone who can, with authority, speak about the brand new Overwatch 2 beta. It's please welcome a fan, an expert, an apologist of Overwatch <laughs> 2, uh, Kenneth Shepard. Hello. Hello. Sure. Apologist. <laughs> I think I, I am gathering over the past like year or so uh -huh. that I am the only person at our website that likes this game in the well, year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I know oh, why you, Paul I, Paul coming here coming clutch thank you yeah I mean I, I I was about to say I I I don't know if that's true I I do think like you know Nick, Nikki is a person who really really loved Overwatch for a very long time mm. and we had on the show a few weeks ago of course they were you know really leaning into my question which was is Overwatch 2 the most cursed video game of all time mm -hmm. and their answer was yes and I still kind of believe that in a lot of ways but like you know the beta started and I'm mm. I have to admit Ken like I'm watching y'all play the game and talk about it in slack and y'all are on discord playing together and i'm sitting there going like 
damn, am I going to get this? Am I going to, am I going to cave? Am I going to get into this? <laughs> and, uh, and, and like, I'm still on the fence because like, there are a lot mm. of elements of it that seem like interesting directions to go. And then there are still some big question marks. So I want to talk to you about mm. the beta, which is right now just the PVP stuff. Right. And, and I guess overall, like, what are your impressions of the PVP? Um, I'm of a couple minds with, especially as, you know, in terms of what they put in the beta, because I think that, the, I guess those are like two com- conversations, like what do I think about like the, the foundational thing of the Overwatch 2 PvP, yeah. and w- how they actually have packaged it and put it in a thing that people can play in the public, because what's really interesting to me is that I think it kind of sold me, uh, uh, sold me, it's not just, maybe not the right phrase, but it, it at least helped me understand the fundamental ways the game is going to change by taking out one tank. And, okay, right. But also, like, doing major reworks to establish tank characters, like, in ways that I think force you to play the game differently, kind of in a more active way than you might have in the base game, or, or the right. live game, rather. Right. Um, and I think that's best encapsulated with Orisa, <clears throat> who is, you know, one of the characters that's gotten a major overhaul. Where in Overwatch 1, she yeah. was very much this, this defensive character that threw down shields, kind of, like, held her ground in one place and tried to protect other people. And... Now she is, you know, this powerhouse that is always like in the front lines and it's kind of like the foundational character of your team. Like and, and like everything kind of funnels in towards supporting her as she pushes through enemy lines and towards objectives. And she's like my been my main tank since I started playing Overwatch. So like just the person yeah. I've been playing as that character for so long, she like feel everything suddenly shift around me. It at least sold me on that like I'm interested to see how they handle this format moving forward. Because for all we yeah. know, like, you know, Overwatch, you know, team composition and rules have, like, changed drastically even in the first game's lifetime. And so this might, you know, just be something that they do for maybe a couple of years and then maybe they, yeah. or maybe even less and just, like, they shift completely holistically into something else. And because, you know, the game is, you know, something that is meant to change drastically and be very malleable in different ways. And that's, sure. sort of, you know, the nature of these kinds of games. And um, so... In that sense, I think the beta has actually been pretty cool. It's been just you know a really cool way to recontextualize new characters and just also play on these new maps. And there's also some maps in here that are f- from Overwatch One. Right. Again, like you have to like completely rethink them <clears throat> now that you have to change your team composition to accommodate other things. So all of that's very cool to me. I think my bigger issue with the beta as a package is I think it does an exceptionally bad job at really showing why Overwatch 2 needed to be another game. Uh-huh. As opposed to, you know, an, an update. And I think that's been a lot of people's sentiment is like, oh, this feels like Overwatch 1.5. And I think the reason for that is, well, there, there are two major reasons, I think. One is I think they needed more, they needed to introduce more characters than just Sojourn in terms of new right. ones. Right, sure. Because um, I, I think she's a lot of fun, but she is one character in a roster of like 31 others that people have known for a very long time. Yep. The the weird thing is like it, you know Overwatch two was revealed almost three years ago now, right? And she's the only character that they have ever shown this mm-hmm. new. Like mm-hmm. they have talked about you know various and hinted towards other characters that they are probably going to have in you know Overwatch two when it finally launches. But I think you needed at least a couple more to like re- really sell people on why this is new, why this is important, why this is significant in terms of the actual content that you can play. Yeah, they're not really leaning into you know, what was, like, the big addition of Overwatch 2 that did require a new engine, and it did require Uh it to be a new game, which is a lot of the PvE stuff, which, Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's not necessarily, uh, I mean, th- that, that can be played online. So like, there is some usefulness to having that in, a, in an online beta that you're trying to test. And, you know, I get like, there's an order of operations, but I think when you have put this, this is, this is the first time that the majority of the public who is not at BlizzCon uh, is going to be able to play this game. And you are giving an underwhelming, I guess, package and like, you know, an underwhelming update to a lot of people for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, everything I talked about with like, you know, the new team formation and the tank, like that's interesting to me as a longtime Overwatch player, but that's not, that's not back of the box kind of stuff. Sure. That's not stuff that you can really sell. Like, you know, that that's minutia that you learn as you play. That's not something that you can put on like a screen at BlizzCon and be like, here is the reason why you would want to pay however much for a sequel to the game that you've been playing forever long. Right. For for me, and I, and I I almost hate to just make these apples to apples comparisons because I know that like I I know that the the audiences are a little bit different. I know that the studios are really different. But like when I when I hear okay, uh, Overwatch goes from being six on six to five on five, and it's losing a tank in Overwatch two, and it's going to be kind of a more uh, a more frantic, uh, offensive-minded mm-hmm. experience, and and that that sounds really interesting. The fact that that's being kind of positioned as the reason to get a sequel, while Fortnite is deciding to basically strip building out of its engine and just offer it as basically another mode mm-hmm. forever. When you have other studios basically treating their live games like live games and trusting their audience to basically go along with them to do this stuff, like the 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 way Blizzard is rolling out Overwatch 2 gives me the sense, the very strong sense that they are fundamentally misreading and miscalculating what modern games like what what, what mm. modern live games are. When, when I say that, how, like what's your assessment of my kind of outside view of that as someone that has right. played Overwatch for a long time and kept up with more kind of blizzard goings on than I probably mm. have? I think the, uh, the that they have announced that they're kind of like decoupling the PVE and PVP stuff yeah. and kind of like trying to roll out the PVP stuff a little earlier. Um, which again, like a, just you know, for context for everyone listening, the PvP stuff will be shared between Overwatch One and Two, and I think yeah, I think that they are decoupling that. I think that shows an acknowledgement that maybe they f- fucked up in the presentation of how they were going to do this. Because I, I think like yeah, I think the fact that they the One and Two have were going to remain connected has been a source of confusion for a lot of people. Yes, um, and I, I think that has kind of like lent the game to a lot of the criticisms of why does this need to be a second game to begin with. And so I think like if they are going to, you know, just start like putting out the competitive stuff separately and then maybe let the the campaign stuff, you know, live on its own in this way, I think that's kind of like an acknowledgement that like they were going about it the wrong way. And because yeah. ultimately like anyone that owns Overwatch now is going to get all that stuff when it is finally live and say like, you know, hypothetically we get the uh, the competitive stuff later this year and then maybe the, the campaign stuff comes out next year i think that's maybe them just kind of you know admitting a fault in the original way they were going about it because I, right. ultimately i think at that point the the way they package it is kind of like open a benign issue because everyone will right. get that stuff eventually well like, like so so let me let me totally make sure that i'm right about this because i i've i've maybe lost track of it the so i yes i've been aware that within the overwatch client Overwatch one and two will both exist. So like that, they're acknowledging that there is a connection between those things. Mm. Will the PVP stuff from two be 
attached to what will be given to the existing Overwatch base free or do are they going to have to pay for that aspect as well? Uh, to my knowledge, they never mentioned anything about paying for that, but I think the pitch they gave at that original BlizzCon was that Overwatch 1 and 2 would play competitive Competitive together. together. All in one pool. So, okay. So then so then let's say, sure, then the, the competitive PvP stuff for Overwatch 2 is just going to be basically an update at some point for mm. people that currently have the Overwatch client. Right. This is maybe just where difference of opinion comes in, and that's okay, and that's why I want to talk to you. When when they tried the PVE stuff, and it was a very light mode back mm-hmm. in – when was that? Like 2018 or something? Uh, they um, had like an annual event. Yeah, they had, okay. They so had, yeah. the, the year I probably played it was 2018. I was very underwhelmed by that. Right. So what – Okay. So, so, okay. All right. So, uh, and I feel like a lot of people that played it were also underwhelmed, even, mm. even big fans of, of the series. What, respectfully, what in the fuck are they expecting people to pay 60 bucks for when Overwatch 2 PVE comes out? Like what kind of well, robustness are they going to have to make here to make that compelling? Because I, I do not understand mm-hmm. it. Right. So I was watching the, uh, the BlizzCon line, uh, presentation that they did yeah. just under a year or just over a year ago at this point. I was yeah. watching just before we got on this call and I was like, they they talk a lot about how a lot of the uh, things that they were working on in the time between the initial reveal and that presentation was overhauls of the enemy design, which I think is one of the biggest issues of the PvE yeah. stuff that happens in Overwatch 1. Is that like, sure. And, and I think broadly, the stuff in Overwatch 1, a lot of that is grafted onto like levels that are the multiplayer levels like they, they're the maps they just have like a different uh-huh yeah day or night cycle and you know a few more things open up but like here in the actual campaign stuff that they're making like they are you know creating brand new levels brand new enemy types you know really like crafting around the idea of a pve thing instead of you know just kind of like bolting it onto established levels and designs that they've had for something that's meant to be competitive yeah and not to be like super hyperbolic the, the promise of the stuff they showed in BlizzCon Online, it's kind of incredible to me. Like, and right. kind of gets into the stuff that, like, is what I've personally wanted out of Overwatch since I got here. Um, yeah. And I think I think what, one of their, their biggest fucking blunders in trying to present skin people is having that presentation in, not in their uh, their main, like, stage, quote-unquote stage, BlizzCon Online presentation, because, like, the majority of the people that watched that first presentation did not see that presentation. And I think right. that is... That, that presentation very specifically is like a gap of knowledge for a lot of people because, again, like yeah. not that many people have seen it because they did not do a great job of spotlighting it. Yeah. And but they like they took, like you know, a, a, a real big chunk of that presentation to talk about how even the stuff that they showed when they first revealed the game in 2019 at BlizzCon, they got feedback on like, you know, oh, the enemies aren't like this is not a very engaging cooperative mode. We're here. They're like, OK, we need to really sit back and think about how we can really iterate on the enemies enemy designs we have and create something that is going to be i guess like more you know involved and require like a level of you know dedication to and then also like they talk about stuff like skill trees and getting like really really experimental with different abilities that characters have and so like all that just like looks like a really fun kind of like sandbox to play in for me um yeah Okay. Coupled with, you know, actual fucking story development after almost six years. Sure. Right. Um, 
Like that, that, yeah. that seems like a big deal, right? Like that has to be a big part of the package. Do you think that they've shown enough signs? Like, like riot is a good example that I talked to Nikki about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, um, that that's been a, that's been a company that I've been very impressed with that feels to me like they took a lot of the blueprints that Blizzard had constructed over the previous 10 years before Lee kind of took mm-hmm. off and they decided, OK, what if Blizzard actually like got with the fucking times and right. like, let's do that. And so and that's how you get things like Arcane. That's how you get things like mm-hmm. um, Ruin King, which is kind of like a, a very uh, deep story driven RPG that, mm-hmm. you know, fleshes out these these characters that like, you know, I don't give a shit about from League, but when I played Ruin King, I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. Like the Overwatch story stuff seems to be kind of an unfulfilled promise at this right. point. Do you feel like they kind of understand that and they know they have to deliver, or do you are you kind of worried that they they don't quite maybe get that yet? I think based on everything that they've shown, I think they do have. I think they get it, but I also think that they are. And I think this is broadly like the problem that Overwatch as like a brand has right now is I think they're very much reliant on Overwatch 2 to be like a kind of a soft reset of everything that they're mm. doing with the series. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. why, you know, I, I think that bleeds into just support of the main game right now. Like there are no new, no new events because everything that they're saving except for Overwatch 2. There's no new, you know, there's no actual like story content being put in the game because it's all being saved for Overwatch 2. And you know, I think recently they, um, they showed, you know, some development footage of a new short around Sojourn. And it's like, but you're saving it for Overwatch 2. And like, yeah, that's <laughs> and it, so the, the thing is, for me is I, th- I feel like I came into Overwatch like in the perfect window to not feel necessarily burned by all of that, because right. I, I came in in 2019 when Soldier 76 was revealed to be gay because I was a person who wrote about gay characters in video games. And I was like, yeah. OK, I should check this out. And I did not expect it to also consume my life for about two years. Uh-huh. Um, as I was that was you know, the same year that Overwatch 2 was announced. So like by the yeah. time that like. I was at the point where, like, I kind of know what I want out of the series and what I'm hoping for. Then they reveal Overwatch 2, and it is what I'm hoping for. It's like the thing I want. I want, you know, actual forward progression in the story uh, instead of, you know, because, like, I've, I've read all the comics. I've read the novels. I've watched all the shorts. I've read the short stories. Right. But, you know, a lot of that is, like, world building and character establishing and kind of meandering. Like, you know, you, maybe, like, once every two or three pieces of media, you'll get, like, an actual, like, step forward in the plot. Um, and so I think, I think Overwatch 2, you know, having a campaign proper is like an acknowledgement of that. And I think, you know, it's tied up in like what I think is just like a lot of like weird decision making on kind of like almost like making Overwatch this kind of, um, almost like a dormant franchise for a long time. Like, you know, for all of the, you know, the, uh, extended media that I talked about that I've consumed, like Overwatch has not been doing much. For several years at this point. Right, sure. I think they are expecting people to stick around because people love those characters, which I think for all the games media bubble of like nobody cares about Overwatch, like don't get it twisted. People still love these characters and will come Absolutely. back for yeah. at least, you know, to play the campaign. Right. You know, maybe and maybe that just brings them back to, you know, the competitive side. But I was at, you know, PAX East earlier this week and people are still selling Overwatch character merch. Like, people are still sure. wearing it. People still care about these characters and I think will be willing to come back and see a campaign. And then, you know, in the event that, like, Overwatch 2 helps kind of propel the series in a way that lets it be active again, like, we, like say, we get animated shorts every, you know, few few months or we get an animated series, which is, like, right. again, that is 
if Arcane's not like you know a testing ground for like to prove that that is right, very much sure. you know, something people would love. Yeah, your animated shorts already were like. I mean, I yeah, you're, it, th- those animated shorts were amazing. Like when they were consistently I, coming out, they were yeah. they were must watch. Like they really were. I was it was, and I I I, I hate this this kind of connection, but like it it felt Pixar esque to me. Yeah. like it felt coherent and high quality in a way that I was like holy shit, like this is the future of multimedia game stories. Like, mm-hmm. you know, f- you know, fuck destiny and b- finding everything in these like locked little, you know, but corners of this game and fleshing out whatever, like Destiny's gotten way better at that stuff, but it's like mm. overwatch felt like a revelation in that regard. And then it just stopped. Yeah. Like I, just before this, I was watching the, the zero hour, you know, reveal overwatch to real trailer. I like, in 2019, when I saw that, I started like just bawling because like it hit me just right. Yeah, and sure, three years later, I still got Terry Yard watching it today. Yeah. I was like, that that one very specifically to me like feels like it really understands the impact of these characters to people and like how like seeing them together finally like this is finally what we wanted. This is what we've been working towards for all this time, and then it just stopped. And you know, who is to say if like I mean the company that makes this this video game property isn't a fucking tailspin right now. Right. Um, so yeah. who's to say like what, you know, the pipeline of all this was supposed to be. Um, yeah. and there was also, you know, a pandemic. So you, there, there are a lot of factors that I think have played into why, you know, that momentum that they had almost three years ago at this point to, you know, really, you know, finally enter a new era for the series. Uh, why I think that's kind of been, you know, spinning its wheels for a bit, but sure. Uh, I think that's just kind of like, you know, the reality of the situation is I think in a perfect world where, you know, the world didn't shut down, we probably would be like well in that era now. Yeah. I think, you know, the original plan was for Overwatch 2 to probably be out by now. Yeah. Um, But, you know, shit happens. Yeah, shit happens. No, I mean, I, that's honestly a really good point. I mean, like the landscape really changed in 2020, obviously, and Blizzard had a lot of complicating factors to the pandemic mm-hmm. because they have obviously all of these lawsuits and labor issues and and that stuff has to be absolutely you know distracting and devastating to a lot of these teams so it's like yeah it's not that it is surprising that these things have happened it just seems to be to me at least what happened and this is easy for me to say because this is just armchair quarterbacking and i have the the benefit of hindsight but it's like once they made the announcement and then everything kind of went sideways for them I almost feel like it would have been better for them to say like, Hey, we're still making this game, but like, we're not going to talk about it until it's ready. And they kind of didn't do that. They kept kind of poking in and describing a, a a package that would eventually arrive that has seemed increasingly, um, increasingly bizarre in the face of how other live service games have been developed Mm -hmm. in, in a way that makes them seem really behind the times. And I wonder Mm. if they had just shut up, Mm. done the work. And when the PVE and PVP stuff was ready at the same time, they unveil it. They launch it pretty close to when they reveal it again. And we don't have all this oxygen to talk about how weird it is that they're rolling stuff out this way. Mm. Um, But it is what it is. And this is how they've rolled it out. And Mm. like, you know, the PV, the, the, the beta seems to be popular um, mm. and getting people talking about this again. And ultimately, that's probably a good thing for that team. So yeah. um, 
any any takeaways from the 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 beta that you've played that you're like okay i i think folks that have lapsed uh as overwatch players like hey you should go back in because of x like what's mm. one thing that lapsed players like me should should be maybe excited about well and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier so i think the beta as a um as a thing to like introduce it, the game to people that have yeah. that have lapsed, I think kind of doesn't do a great job because again, like it, yeah. I feel like there's not enough newness here to really like bring people. Because I mean, if you don't like Sojourn, <laughs> then you, there's you not, don't have there's a not a new yeah there's not a new yeah. character for you to like really grapple uh, well, grapple like, with. The the Arisa rework seems interesting. Yeah, right? and I, yeah. I I think like and i've again like she was my main for a long time and it was very jarring to start but like i i have found a lot of enjoyment in just kind of like experiencing overwatch in a new way and i think that is that is at least something like, I, I think if you like you were you know a person that was bored of double shield meta for the longest time then you know this is they have taken almost every shield away at this point um <laughs> i i think if nothing else like it there is at least enough different in the way that overwatch played that I think is worth at least trying out, you know, and okay. it is a free beta, just like, yep. what do you have to lose other than maybe like a, an hour or two of your time to figure out? Yeah. Um, but no, that's, that's so yeah. it's compelling enough. I will probably, I'll yeah. probably, I'll probably th- do it. I'll probably do it over the weekend. So yeah, why not? I think, and and I, I think like to that point, like they say this is like the first of several betas that they want to do. I think like they do need to have a much more substantial showing next time of whatever they're doing. Yeah. Right. And that like, it can't be just, one more new hero alongside Sojourn. I think you need like mm-hmm. a, a handful. I was talking to a friend of the website, Natalie Flores, about last <laughs> night, who uh, she is um, primarily a support player. The support players in this kind of got the fucking... They got the shaft. The ins- yeah, yeah, because none of those characters got any reworks. None of those mm-hmm. characters are really operating in any new interesting ways yeah um where you know the tank is like you know as their role has completely shifted the dps character there you know a couple dps reworks and sombra is one of my favorite characters and she has she chained up a little bit nice bastion's a pain in the ass in a brand new way <laughs> uh, yeah so it's again like a lot of it's not necessarily like big marquee things you put on the back of the box it is yeah. a lot of minutiae it is a lot of like you know really and I, I honestly don't know like how much that will come across to people that haven't been playing the game fairly recently because i feel like you know when you've been playing the thing that they have live right now you know as recently as like a month or two ago and then you come in and like see drastic overhauls that are not you know that aren't super exciting to people that are, are like you know just kind of like peeking in right um yeah I, I don't sense. know how much that's come across but you know yeah. I, I think for whatever it is worth I'm enjoying it a lot and I've been playing cool. it with people like again, people that have mostly lapsed or like we're kind of cynical towards the game that have been really enjoying their time with it as well. Well, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's probably all that counts right now. I mean, it's really good yep. to be able to play games with friends and have fun doing it. And overwatch used to be in uh, a big part of that for me and it, mm. it fell off, but now I'm kind of like, well, maybe I could do that again. So I'll probably check it out. Um, and, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably talk about it again at some point. Uh, but Ken, I really appreciate you taking the time, filling in some blanks yeah, as no our resident Overwatch Two apologist fan expert. <laughs> all of the above. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
Thank you, Ken, for all your insight on Overwatch 2. You know what? Let's get you ready for next week's game releases. Uh, we got some uh, we got some interesting ones to talk about as well as a whole slate of games to look forward to on Xbox Game Pass and PlayStation Plus for May 2022. Let's start with this week's games. Uh, we got Sifu Vengeance Edition. But you might be going like, God, that game just came out, didn't it? Well, it's getting a physical release. The Vengeance Edition comes with a steel book, which includes the full game, three really cool looking lithographs, the digital soundtrack and a 48 page art book. The digital deluxe edition out on Epic Game Store and PlayStation 5 is 50 bucks. And this Vengeance Edition uh, is also 50 bucks. And that's for PlayStation 4 and PS5. There doesn't appear to be a PC specific release for the Vengeance Edition. But, you know, who uses discs, discs for their PC anyway? Uh, <laughs> we also have Dungeon Defenders Awakens. This is a game that has been out on several platforms already, including PC, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And now on May 3rd, it's going to be coming to uh, PlayStation 4. Also on May 3rd, we have an Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC game called Loot River. I've watched a trailer for this. It got announced at a, uh, a PC games conference uh, back in 2021, and it looks like a really interesting mix of dungeon crawling, of roguelite, and also of physical puzzles. So you basically are running around on these little individual islands and are like blocks. It's almost like Tetris, and you're, uh, you're moving around. You're trying to position yourself in a way so that you don't get overwhelmed by enemies. You can go back and retreat and maneuver yourself again to go back inland and try to uh, to kill enemies, get loot, all that stuff. Uh, it looks really interesting. I might actually check this one out. Uh, again, that is May 3rd, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Overcooked All You Can Eat is a combination of Overcooked 1 and 2, and it's coming to Google Stadia. Oh, yeah, that's right. We still do Google Stadia stuff uh, on May 5th. Uh, so if you have, for some reason, not experienced Overcooked 1 or 2 on any of the other platforms it's on, all of those platforms will absolutely be superior experiences to that of Google Stadia. But if for some reason you only have Google Stadia, and you haven't played this game, you should probably pick it up. Uh, Trek to Yomi is also a May 5th game coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. It is an adventure action game uh, that looks uh, that's going to, of course, draw a lot of comparisons to Kurosawa films. So it's a samurai journey through uh, different locales. Looks pretty interesting. Uh, it, the full Japanese voice cast sounds great. Uh, again, it's it's black and white. It's going to get some really long in the tooth comparisons to Kurosawa films. But, you know, I guess that's just the price of admission. Uh, but it's a cool uh, side scrolling indie game. Devolver is publishing this uh, this joint. And we should probably have some information about that up on the website uh, sometime this week. But, uh, yeah, that one looks pretty cool. Uh, in terms of PlayStation Plus games for May 2022, we've got three that we know of right now. Uh, they are as follows. Tribes of Midgard, that's a PS5 and PS4 game. Curse of the Dead Gods, that's a PS4 joint. And FIFA 22 on PS5 and PS4. Now, Tribes of Midgard is a co-op survival game. It's based on, you guessed it, Norse, myth Norse mythology. I think Gear, I want to say Gearbox published this one. Gearbox Publishing. 
Don't quote me on that. I think I'm, I think, I think I'm right. I, I believe I'm right. I'm going to double check this live on the show. So I don't, t- yes, I'm exactly right. Gearbox Publishing. <laughs> I knew I was right. Why did I ever doubt myself? Okay. Uh, in terms of Curse of the Dead Gods, that is a cool looking uh, roguelike game, dungeon crawler uh, that uh, looks worth your time. It's kind of a cool art style. Uh, I'm uh, I'm into trying this one out as well. And of course, FIFA 22. I don't think I need to tell you this. It's the most popular sports game on the planet. The most recent edition in, of the vaunted EA Sports franchise is free as long as you're paid up on PlayStation Plus for May 2022. So yeah, grab that one. Uh, you've got until May 2nd. That's uh, that's the day after this goes live to download all of the April stuff. And uh, also, uh, you gotta you gotta add uh, Persona Five to your library before it leaves the PS Plus collection before May 11th, or just play Persona Five Royale because it's uh, it's better Royal <laughs> Royal Edition, not Royale. What did I say, Royale? Anyway. There are three late additions to Xbox Game Pass in late April. Let's go through them now. We knew about two of them, Bugsnacks and Unsold. Uh, Unsold is on console. Bugsnacks has cloud and PC versions as well. But the big surprise is NBA 2K22 right in time for the NBA playoffs. Uh, It is a very good game of basketball as long as you steer clear of the microtransactions. The on-court stuff is amazing. I've put a lot of time into NBA 2K22. It's still a very good, uh, very good basketball game. And you know what? Luka Doncic is on the cover and you can't go wrong with my boy Luka Doncic. Uh, So yeah, you can grab that uh, on Xbox Game Pass right now. Presumably it'll be there uh, for a while because the new version uh, of NBA 2K, probably 23, will be out sometime in like September is when it usually comes out. So not too long from now. Uh, In terms of May games, here's what we know for sure. We know about seven games right now coming in May. On May 3rd, we've got Loot River, which I talked about a little bit earlier. So if you want to check that out, it's going to be free if you got Xbox Game Pass. I definitely think you should just pick it up because it looks really interesting. Citizen Sleeper is coming on May 5th, as well as Trek to Yomi, the samurai side-scroller that I just told you about. Easy choice if you want to check out uh, Devolver Digital's latest game. Ayuden Chronicle Rising. This is really interesting. This is the action game kickstarted from the folks that also used to do Suikoden. So Suikoden is this amazing, uh, uh, like <laughs> you collect a bunch of uh, a bunch of little guys and and you have an RPG experience. Uh, 108 guys to be uh, exact, and uh, those games are really good. One and two are classics on PS1, uh, PS3, uh, PS2 actually has a really good one uh, called Suikoden Three. It's one of my favorite games. Uh, anyway, Ayudan Chronicle by itself is basically in the vein of those sweet coding games. Ayudan Chronicle Rising is the action adventure game that spins off of Ayudan Chronicle, which is not out yet. I probably made this more confusing than it needed to be. I just want to let you know that Ayudan Chronicle Rising looks pretty cool. That's out on May 10th for Xbox Game Pass. Uh, May 24th, we've got Hardship, uh, hardship excuse me, Hardspace Shipbreaker, a very cool, like, d- scrapping game in space. 
it is a very, very cool experience. If you've never played it, you should definitely take it for a spin. You got nothing to lose. It's a very cool game. I played it at PAX East like two years ago and uh, really enjoyed myself. It's been out for a little while now, and it's a it's a it's a cool game. You should definitely check it out. Sniper Elite 5 is coming to Xbox Game Pass on May 26th, and Pac-Man Museum Plus is coming on May 27th. Uh, Namco always does kind of cool stuff with their museum type games, so that's that's a cool one to check out as well. So yeah, that's what's coming out uh, for Xbox Game Pass and PS Plus in May. As far as PS Plus goes, remember, it is going to its new format sometime in June. Uh, that'll come with some changes. We should get a sense of uh, what games to expect on that service, that revamped service sometime in May. I have to imagine we'll know a, li- a little bit more about the service in May. It's only an, you know a month and a half away from launching, so hopefully we'll get some uh, information on that at some point, and we will go over it, of course, on this show. But that's uh, that's all I got for you this week. And that's going to put a bow on this week's episode of TFTK. I want to thank my guest, Ken Shepard, for hanging out and fighting through the PAX crud. It's not COVID, thankfully, but it's PAX crud like so many people get every year. You know what? Masking still kind of works for other stuff, too. It's not just COVID. It's for the flu. It's for colds. Let's get let, let's like get to that point. Why not? If people are sick, put on a mask. It's easy. Whatever. Anyway, I, I, y'all don't need to hear this. You already know. Uh, Ken can be found over at ShepherdCDR on Twitter.com. Uh, and, you know, if you're still there, you know what I mean? A lot of people dropped off. I get it. Uh, but yeah, please check out Ken there and also all of his excellent writing over on our website. He's also got a podcast called Normandy FM. And yes, it sounds like a Mass Effect retrospective, and it used to be. Now they dive into all sorts of stuff. Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X-2. They've talked about Dragon Age. It's really a uh, really great podcast that he hosts with friend of the site, Eric Van Allen. You should go check it out. Uh, as for me... You can find me at Floppy Adult. Uh, I'm there. Um, you can also find me on Tumblr at the same place because it's 2010 again and we're all getting into Tumblr again. Uh, you can find Paul, my wonderful producer, Paul Tamayo, over at uh, Pauly Mayo. Uh, you can also hear all of our excellent podcasts that both he and our excellent producer, Jordan Mallory, have a big hand in producing and making and getting out the door every single week over at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. If you like this show and you want to see me kind of put together a plan, you know, little early ideas of what it could be, as well as playing through some games, watching YouTube videos, having a nice chill morning chat with friends of the show. Uh, you can um, you can check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fanbyte every Tuesday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern. I hang out there for Tuesday morning. The show this past week, I played some teardown. We talked about uh, we talked about the, the Mario movie getting delayed. We watched some CDI games. I definitely want to play some of those CDI games now. So uh, it's a really good time and it's every Tuesday morning. It's called Tuesday morning, the show, and it is a uh, companion stream to this very podcast. Uh, All right, folks, uh, until next week, you're welcome.